It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Welcome to a very happy Rico Bronia. Hoffman, are you happy? I mean, I don't think happy really um, defines what I am right now. I think I'm. I don't even know if there's a word. It's just like yeah, no, euphoric. there's a word. You're there's a word. P- Pete Hoffman's pissed drunk. That's what he is right oh, now. But that's what it is. You yes. can be, <laughs> you can be pissed drunk and happy all at the same time. We as Med fans are very, very happy because what occurred over the last four days in Queens was, let's call it like it is, was an ass whooping. That's what occurred. Maybe we didn't realize it at the time when Atlanta responded with that victory in game two and they jumped all over Taiwan Walker. But what we saw in that doubleheader on Saturday, what we saw on Sunday was an ass whooping. Now, I don't have enough balls to sit here right now and say the division's over. I'll leave that to Sal Licata. He's done that numerous times. But what I will say after this weekend, I'll say a lot of things because this Rico may last forever. One thing I'll say is the New York Mets took the National League East by the throat. They grabbed it. They sent a message loud and clear to the Atlanta Braves. And right now we are in full, full control. I put out a poll right before this series started and said, what do you think is going to happen? Three out of five, lose three out of five, win four out of five, lose four out of five, sweep the whole thing, lose all five. And most people, I would say, had confidence. You had confidence, Pete. I know that. But it was a lot of, they're going to win three out of five. They went out and won four out of five. And quite frankly, they kind of left no doubt. Let's be honest about it. The bullpen made things a little bit dicey in game one on Saturday. But for the most part, this was a straight-up ass-whooping. And the tone setter was Pete Alonzo. And Pete Alonzo opened this series setting the tone. He closed this series setting the tone. Pete Alonzo had a tremendous five-game series against the Atlanta Braves. And don't worry, I did the math for you. He had a hit in every single game. He was 8-for-19. He drove in seven freaking runs. He hit a home run, even though the Mets weren't hitting home runs the last few games of this series. No big deal. They'll just dunk you to death. They'll double you to death. They'll clutch you to death. But Pete Alonso, from the beginning of this series to the close of this series, reminded the Braves and reminded us, not that we needed a reminder, that he was the best player on the field. That as good as Austin Riley is, as good as Ronald Acuna can be, the best player in this series offensively was Pete Alonso. And I say offensively, Because the other difference, the other tone setter, where things would have been different two years ago, or things would have been different 10 years ago, or things would have been different in 1999, was this closer. This closer responded. Obviously, the six-out save was huge. It was a pain in the ass that he had to come in on Saturday after Yoan Lopez couldn't get anybody out. But you know what? Here's the great thing. He came in and he got outs. Because I've seen things in the past, we all have, where whether it's Jairus Familia or it's Billy Wagner or it's John Franco or it's Armando Benitez or any other closer you want to pick, they will have these days and they seem to happen at the most inopportune time. Edwin Diaz did not have one of those days because whether it was the six out save on Thursday, whether it was cleaning up Lopez's mess and leaving no doubt 
Look, he could have come in and made that thing interesting. He could have come in and given up a double to William Contreras, but he didn't. He got two outs and said, let's get the hell out of here. We have another game to play. And then, again, look, I know it's not a one-run game, but he comes in in the finale of this series against the top of the order, and it was bing, 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 strikeout, strikeout, strikeout. Edwin Diaz, three saves, three and two-thirds innings, one measly hit on a pitch at Eddie Rosario's eyes, seven strikeouts, no walks. Edwin Diaz was brilliant. And look, I can't tell you what's going to happen in October. None of us could tell you what's going to happen in October. But Edwin Diaz has had some dress rehearsals for October. He has. He's had quite a few of them. Obviously, the six-out save Thursday night may be the biggest of them all. But so far in his dress rehearsals for what may be October baseball, Edwin Diaz has been filthy. And so, look, there are other guys, obviously, Jacob DeGrom, which we'll get into, Max Scherzer's brilliant Saturday night. I'm even going to throw a, a bone at Joely Rodriguez, who pitched the game of his life on Sunday. But those two guys specifically, the best offensive player, Pete Alonzo, the closer, Edwin Diaz, they were elite in this series. And there's a long way to go. I understand that. There's still 58 games, 59 games, whatever it is. I guess less than that because the Braves have played 110. So 52 games left for them, 53 games for the Mets. And there are still seven games between the Mets and the Braves. I understand that too. But right now, the Mets feel like the better team. And I'll take this a step further. And I think all of us, to varying degrees, have had these grandiose statements about this Met team over the last few days and last few weeks. But from my eyes, in 1986, I didn't have eyes on. I was three years old. But from my eyes, and this doesn't mean they're going to win the pennant, doesn't mean they're going to win the World Series, just I'm judging the 109 regular season games they've played. This is the best Met team we've ever seen. And I don't think that's crazy. Because what are we comparing it to? 2006? 2015? 99, 2000? Look, I could pick apart all of those teams and tell you why on paper and performance through 109 regular season games it really isn't particularly close when you look at the dominance of the closer, when you look at this rotation, which hasn't really included Jacob DeGrom until the last week, and when you talk about this offense. And Pete's going to apologize to you because Pete Hoffman was hitting the panic button about this offense a few weeks ago. Hey, Evan, since June 7th, they've done this, this, and this. Well, let me just say this, Pete, before you respond. Against the Atlanta Braves, the big freaking bad Atlanta Braves. Ooh, Kyle Wright, Spencer Strider, who will rip it a second. What a whiny bitch he is. Max Fried. Oh, here's what the New York Mets did six runs, six runs, eight runs, six runs, and five runs. They kicked their freaking ass. So I'll ask you, Pete, with the legend of Vogelbach here, with the great Darren Ruff here. James McCain even got a big hit on Saturday. What the hell? You worried about this offense, though? I am not worried about anything. I, I, I'm highly impressed. The team has overperformed in this past week. I, I, I can't even believe what I'm seeing right now. That's how good of a team this New York Mets is. And it's it, it, listen, Evan, you're right. I jumped the gun. I think a lot of fans jumped the gun. But it's the old ways usually sticking back in. And you have to re remind yourself that this is a different 
organization. And, and that's my own fault, too. Look, we, we've all done it. I, I tell you the moment, and I think this is a good line of demarcation in this season, where I started to be very worried. I think I may have alluded to this on the Rico right after the San Diego series, that my dad even texted me Saturday night after the Mets lost to the Padres, and they opened up the second half of the season by losing 4-1, to one, they couldn't hit you, Darvish. By losing 2-1, to one, they couldn't hit Blake Snell, and they couldn't hit the Padre bullpen. They scored two runs right out of the gate at home against San Diego. Well-pitched games, they just couldn't hit. And when you couple that with the loss against the Cubs to end the first half of the year, the Mets had a three-game losing streak. Their lead in the East dropped to a half game Saturday night. And my dad texted me, this is our last day in first place. And... I'm not mad at him. I don't blame him. There certainly was that sense, especially facing Joe Musgrove the next night in Sunday Night Baseball. But that was the line of, all right, I think we're in trouble. Uh, The offense hadn't done much for a while. They did nothing in that Chicago series outside that first game where they pounded out the eight runs. They were getting shut down by real good pitching against the Padres. And even though at 58 and 37, you're not necessarily panicking, the lead's down to a half game. And I think that text message my dad sent wasn't just him. I think there were a lot of Met fans that may have felt, oh my God, this is over. We're going we're gonna to drop out of first place and never see first place again. I remember common Met fans down, not that they weren't going to lose first place. I always thought they would, but that just because you drop out of first place doesn't mean you'll never see it again. And when you had the New York Yankees coming up a few days later, I think going into that Sunday night game against San Diego, on a three-game losing streak with the lead down to a half game, that was the moment of, uh uh-oh. Now, let's look at what's happened since, why don't we? They beat the Padres on that Sunday night. They sweep the New York Yankees, who, by the way, don't look very good right now. They sweep, more on that on the fan, not here. Uh, They sweep the Miami Marlins impressively. They do their job against the Nationals. They win two out of three. And now this. So if my math is correct, I think since that moment of this is our last day in first place, we'll call it that, the New York Mets are 13-2. and And oh, by the way, they beat up the Atlanta Braves head-to-head, so we all know what this lead is now. It ain't a half game anymore. It's seven in the loss column, six and a half overall. So, look, I don't know if we're going to go back and say June 23rd, July 23rd is when everything turned. But I think that night against San Diego, I think it was the height of our paddock, if you had it, whether it was about the offense, in Pete's case, or just overall about this team. But they've responded. And that's the reminder. This team has responded every freaking time they have faced adversity or faced a question about how good they are. So the one thing I will say is this, is that Mets fans, first of all, the fact that San Diego, we've played terrible against. Like, you looked at the two series we played against San Diego – it's been brutal, so you have to give a little bit of a of a of a, a pass to Mets fans that the, the nerves come out through those two series. But on top of that, too, again, like I said, the Mets fan is so bipolar. We've been used to the ups and downs. We've been used to the not enoughs. So for us during the trade deadline to see that we didn't get the big bat, we didn't get the left-handed pitcher we were looking for, the ball for the bullpen. It didn't seem like enough. So for us to to be worried about the next two months, 
was 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 reasonable. The, no. How do the bats look now? By the way, how does uh, Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback and Tyler Naquin look for you right now? Just Amazing. right now, things can change. Amazing. I mean, I mean, they're they're locking it up. I mean, Darren Ruff. I've never seen a better right-handed batter in my life. No, st- <laughs> stop. <laughs> look, I. I I, I liked what Billy Epler did at the trade deadline with those bats. They are leaning into being a platoon team. We brought up the numbers last week. When you combine Ruffleback, uh, rough against lefties, Vogelback, uh, rough against lefties, Vogelback against righties, you see an incredibly productive player, singular player when you combine them, and certainly more productive than Dom Smith and J.D. Davis. The concern I have, and certainly this weekend didn't you know, alleviate it despite the wins, is the bullpen. I don't think there's any question. Uh, there is still, and I hate to knock out Avino because he's been great. He was shaky on Saturday, but ultimately he got the big out when he needed to. There's really nobody in this bullpen you could trust outside of Edwin Diaz. And I think that's still the thing that hangs over this team. Sure, you could tell yourself Tyler McGill can come back and be a big contributor, and he may, or Trevor May is going to figure things out. But overall, the bullpen, you know, you didn't leave this weekend against Atlanta saying, you see, this bullpen's great. Because it's not. Every time Michael Givens is out there, he's shaky as hell. But what the Mets were able to do this weekend was overcome it. And that's why when you go back to game three, and when we talked obviously about the first two games of this series, if you missed it, there's an episode of Rico Brown. You're right after the Braves beat the Mets in game two of this series. So we'll focus when breaking down these games on the final three games of this series. By the way, three games, the Mets all won. (laughs) But game one of the doubleheader, you've got David Peterson doing yet another tremendous job. He is the best swing man you could imagine right now. Sixth starter, you need him with doubleheaders. You're probably going to need him just to give your veterans an extra day. Every time the Mets have asked David Peterson to step into this rotation, he's done an outstanding job. And that's why... I was surprised with the state of this bullpen and the fact it was the first game of a doubleheader that Buck was in as much of a rush to get Peterson out of this game as he did. That's my one knock. I mean, Peterson throws 81 pitches. He strikes out the first hitter in the sixth inning, Matt Olson. Travis Darno's coming up. I know it was on base twice, but it was a hit batsman and a walk. I was surprised knowing it's a doubleheader, A, I mean, You know, even with Max going in game two, he's not going nine innings. You're still going to need guys to get a couple of outs. That he was in as much of a rush to take Peterson out. And even though it didn't immediately hurt the team because Seth Lugo came in and got a couple of outs, didn't give up a run, it was the fact that you went from asking your bullpen potentially for nine outs to saying, go get me 11 outs. And we've talked about this before. And I know regular season game, David Peterson is a swing guy. It's not the perfect example. But push your starting pitcher just a little bit more, especially when you have a bullpen you don't trust. And, and look, what really, I don't say screwed them in the game because they won the game. It was tremendous. They built themselves a 5 nothing lead and were able to hold on. But what hurt them is the rush to the bullpen. Lugo was shaky when he came back out for the seventh inning and let the Braves creep closer. Adovino gave up the big hit to Matt Olson, but think about that. Adam Adovino came into a game to face Matt Olson. That's not ideal. That's not exactly the lanes that you want. Just to think of Aaron Boone when he used to talk about, well, we got to get Adam Adovino in the right lane. Can you imagine Adam Adovino in that lane? And that's not a knock even necessarily on Buck. It's who are you going to? 
You don't trust Joely Rodriguez. More on him later. So you you have a bullpen built in a way in which you're going Adam Adovino against Matt Olson, who came through with a hit. But Adovino got the big out when he needed to. The Mets' offense, which was so key in this, because think about it. You have a 5 nothing lead. The Braves rally to make it a 5-2 to two game against your bullpen. If your offense goes away and does nothing, you're going to sweat this going to sweat this thing out, but the Met offense was able to answer right away with the three runs in the seventh inning, specifically James McCann. I mean, I, I'm stunned. I mean, call me crazy. James McCann, who sucks, comes through with a huge RBI single, and it was a big hit, not only for his psyche, not only for my psyche, but in this game. But the offense bailed them out because now they have a comfortable lead. Now Buck says, all right, let me steal three outs from Yoan Lopez. And they couldn't even steal three outs from Yoan Lopez because he gave up five straight hits or four straight hits. And I don't blame Buck for going to Edwin Diaz because I think at that point, when you have an 8-2 to two lead and things are getting dicey, you can't mess around. You got to get the victory. So I, I was just surprised in a doubleheader, knowing you don't have the deepest bullpen in the world, why not try to push David Peterson a little bit more? Now, you know you have Max Scherzer, but Max Scherzer's brilliance, even on Saturday night, is still seven innings. You're not getting nine innings out of him. I don't think Max Scherzer's had many complete games over the last few years, and that's okay. 